the things you do out in the world, you know, in, in your daily in your daily work. So one of the things that you're promising when you promise to submit to uh, to support the church in its worship and its work is you're saying, I want to do what Peter said there. I want to help administer God's grace in its various forms. And so those forms might be giving your time. You know, some of you work in a nursery. Some of you have helped out with widows. You've given a ride to somebody who doesn't have a car. Some of you lead, help lead worship with instrumentation and stuff. Some of you, you know, there's all kinds of different things. Teaching and doing. Encouraging, serving. And there's all kinds of that stuff. And you're saying, I want to be a part of that. When you say, I am taking a vow to do this, I am going to support the church in doing these kinds of things. Uh, I was at Fairland School today. Does anybody know Fairland School? Elementary School? And it's an interesting thing to me. Fairland Elementary School is a very fine uh, Walker County school. And I think that what I'm about to say about Fairland School is probably this case of any any, uh, good elementary, high school, middle school, anywhere. I went in. It's our son's birthday tomorrow. So Kathy and... Oh, I have a wife. Her name is Kathy. And, and we have two sons. And Hutch has a wife, Ashley, and three sons. We went into Fairland. And I, you have to sign in, you know. And, uh, and I'm right-handed, so I don't know why I enacted it as left-handed. <laughs> so I... And I noticed that the sheet for volunteers and parents... Like, the front page was all full. So I had to turn it over to sign it. So it was like yesterday and today. And I thought to myself, this is very interesting. So, this is quite interesting. Look how many parents have been here today and yesterday. Doing what? I have no idea. But I think this is, says something about why this school is good. Because look how many parents give a hoot about what happens here. They're showing up during the day. They're pitching in. They're eating with their kids. They're helping the teacher. They're doing whatever needs to be done. And I think that is one of the great things about the church, is this whole idea that God's given everybody here abilities. He's given you time. He's given you abilities of various sorts. And when opportunities come, the greatness of the church will be everybody pitching in. Good schools happen because parents are really involved there. I don't think there are lots of exceptions to that. There might be education people, and you can correct me later. But I doubt there are many things on the earth that work really well without a lot of people who care a lot about what happens to it. And so that's part of what this vow is about. It's like we're going to give a hoot about what happens here because we care about Jesus, and we care about each other, and we care about this community, so we can't sit on what we've been given. We have to use what we've been given. Does that make sense? And so... I want to make sure Hutch has time, and I think I need to end. So, you got you got that? I'm going to let Hutch go on now. Can I have that marker? Okay, so we're... Eric has brought us into... into, well, just if you notice about how we've laid out the retreat, we're kind of arranging it around these three things that we feel like we're called to be and do in the church. Worship, nurture, and witness. And if nothing else, I hope you come out of this retreat saying that Rock Creek, 
there's three things that God calls us to be and do. To be a worshiping community, uh, to be a community of people who are loving one another deeply and using our gifts to build each other up, and to be a community that is sent, that is seeking to bear witness to the gospel to those outside of our body. So we're kind of moving in three directions, simultaneously, all the time, hopefully, as God is helping us. Moving up towards God in worship, moving in towards one another as a community, and moving out and bearing witness to the kingdom. So we're always seeking to move in these three directions. Right now we're beginning on those three where we're kind of highlighting worship. What do we mean by we're seeking to be the worshiping community? And Eric began with talking about worship in the broad sense. So that's kind of the idea that it really, all of life is worship. Not just what you do on Sunday morning. All of our life, and that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 12, all of life is to be an offering of worship to God, where we offer our time, our money, the gifts that He's given to us. Everything belongs to Him. And we're seeking with everything in our life for it to be an offering of worship to Him. But, as we saw in the vow, one of the things you're taking a vow to do is, I'm going to support the church in its worship and work to the best of my ability. And so we want to narrow that in and look at the narrow sense. The narrow sense of worship. And really what we're talking about here is more specifically our worship together as a church, as we're gathering. So here we would be talking about Sunday mornings as a primary time where we're coming together to worship. We'll be talking about community groups. We'd be talking about all the different kind of gatherings that happen as a church. So, we'll put Sunday morning here. Uh, let's turn to, if you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. I believe this is the is that passage that Eric preached on Sunday? That's right, isn't it? Presumably. Yes, presumably. <laughs> yes. Uh, and before we look at this, which I feel like gives us a great picture of our calling to be the worshiping community, um, I think it's helpful to think of how we typically think of church in our culture. You know, we live in a culture that's very individualistic, very consumeristic, and those kind of priorities have very much faded into the way that we do our religion in America. And typically, so often, the way that we treat church is a place to go for me to get my needs met. You know, I'm going there to be fed uh, so that I might grow personally. And now, by the way, those are great things that I hope you get from Rock Creek or any church you might find yourself in. I'm, I'm hoping that you will grow personally. But that tends to be the first priority that we come in to the church with. How is this going to benefit me? I think uh, this passage reorients us uh, to show us that as we gather on Sunday mornings, it is not first and foremost about what we're going to get. 
but is rather about what we are coming to bring. And not just to one another, first and foremost, what are we coming to bring to our God? That's one of the main things about Sunday morning is we are coming to pay homage to the King. We are coming to offer our worship to Him because He is worthy. Let's look at the passage. Uh, 1 Peter 2. Uh, I'm going to start reading at verse 4. Just think as we read about how Peter is describing us as a people and, and what, we are, what we have been chosen and redeemed to do and to be. As you come to Him in Christ, the living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, that's dense, right? It's drawing from rich imagery from Old Testament worship. He describes us as living stones. What a metaphor. Referring to the Old Testament temple, which was the place that God's presence would come down and dwell among His people. It was God's dwelling upon the earth, the Old Testament temple. And so Peter's taking that image and he's applying it to us as the New Testament church. And he says, you, like living stones, are being built into a holy temple that God would come and dwell within with His very own presence. What a way to think about what's happening on Sunday morning. We're like living stones coming together. Uh, Jump down to verse 9. He continues with this rich Old Testament imagery and kind of God's uh, his pet names for His people. You know, These are His sweetheart names for His bride, Israel. And He's applying it to the church. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. For what purpose? For what purpose? That you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Peter is describing us as a people that God has chosen, delivered out of the darkness of this world, brought into special relationship with Himself, and made to be a royal priesthood. Made to be a people that exist for this basic purpose, to declare the praises of our God. So as we talk about worship as a primary thing that we're called to be, that is an end in and of itself. That as we come together on Sunday mornings to offer and declare the praises of our God who has delivered us, that is the whole point. Does that make sense? It's not just a means to an end. It's not just that we would experience something or that we would get something. No, it is an end in and of itself that we come to offer Him worship. And it's one of the fundamental things that we've been called to. A people that declare His praises. We see this also throughout the Psalms. And the Psalms are, are kind of Scripture's hymn and prayer book. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a collection of worship songs and worship poetry and all of these things. And almost every single psalm will begin with this and often end with this. Praise the Lord. You, know, you get the idea that as humans, the f- most fundamental thing that we've been made to do is to praise the Lord. 
Whenever we come together and we declare His praises, we're doing what we've actually been made to do. And so to praise, to give worship, to pay homage, is not something that you've got to work up or uh, it's not something that's difficult for humans to do because we do it all the time, if you think about it. We have been created for worship. This idea of worship is at the very core of what we've been made to do. So everybody's worshiping. Uh, Worship in the sense is simply enjoying something. It's adoring something. It's delighting in something. It's finding your satisfaction in something. That's what worship is. Sometimes we think of worship as kind of a religious term that's kind of a churchy thing that we do, but I think it's far more helpful to think about worship as being something that I'm doing all of the time. You know, whenever we uh, see a, a sports stadium filled with people cheering at the top of their lungs, whenever you see that, you're looking at worship. Whenever you see um, someone who is controlled by something, who's addicted to something, something that's mastering their life, you're looking at worship. Of course, we're talking about misplaced worship. But whenever we begin to talk about the things in our life that bring us the greatest delight, the things that we pay uh, our highest allegiance to, that we give our highest affections to, we're talking about worship. And so worship is not, the question is not, will someone worship? The question is, what will you worship? And so what we believe is that is God is at work in our lives redeeming us that we actually begin to worship what we've been made to worship, and that is God Himself. We become a people that more and more and more are worshiping the living God. Um, one of the things that we say as we, uh, Eric earlier mentioned this phrase that you've probably heard us say, it's at the top of your sheet here. But this is kind of our vision at Rock Creek Fellowship we're aspiring to be. A one another in community that adores Christ and embodies Him in the world. And as Eric mentioned, that statement is reflecting these three areas we're seeking to move in. So one another in community will, would refer to how we're to be a people of nurture. We're going to talk about that tomorrow morning. Um, embodying Him in the world is what we mean by witness. And we'll talk about that also tomorrow. But whenever we say we want to be a community that adores Christ. What we're getting at there is this sense of worship. Um, We're hoping to be a community of people that delight ourselves in Jesus Christ above every other thing in this world. That's our goal. That's what we're after. that, That Jesus would be more satisfying to us, would be more delightful to us, Uh, than any other thing in this world, in this life. And so that's what we mean by we want to be a community that adores Christ. And so that's something we're always moving towards. That's something that we're seeking to do as we come together on Sunday morning. The point is to come and to savor and enjoy Christ and to declare His praises. As we gather in community groups, the goal is to enjoy Christ together. Celebrate Him to say, 
How wonderful is he to declare his praises to one another. In all of these settings, that is an end in and of itself. Just to enjoy him. Just to delight in him. And that's something that we're after in everything that we do. Um, Another thing I want to mention just practically as we're looking at this narrow sense of worship. And we're talking about Sunday morning as we formally come to worship. And by the way, as you look at this vow that you're taking, I promise to support the church and its worship and its work to the best of my ability. The most fundamental, practical application of that is that you are taking a vow to say, I am going to come and join in the worship. Right? It's basically saying, I'm going to, uh, unless I'm prevented, unless something comes up, I'm going to make every effort to be there Sunday after Sunday. To gather together with God's people, just like in the Old Testament, God's people would would pilgrimage up to Jerusalem. Uh, They would travel up from everywhere that they lived uh, to come into Jerusalem and to appear before the Lord together as one people, corporately together, to worship God. This especially happened at at the feast, the Passover, Uh, these different times in Israel's life where it was important for the whole community to be together. And God takes a special delight whenever all of His people are gathered together to worship Him. And so we believe what happens on Sunday morning, while not the only setting in which we come to worship God, there's something special about it. Because only in that moment are all of His people at this particular church This particular body, all of the people are together. And there's something about that as we come together to join our voices as one in worship, that God takes special delight in that time. And so in this vow, you're saying, I'm going to make this a priority in my life. Uh, I'm going to be there to join in because God wants my voice to be a part of that worship. He wants my heart to be there delighting in Christ together with His people. And that's really what we're after in that veil. But I just wanted to mention um, practically about Sunday morning worship is that there we believe that, um, that Sunday morning worship is a very relational time between us and God. Um, we believe that there's really a dialogue going on between God and His people during worship. Um, as you come to worship at Rock Creek, what is the first thing we do? And you know this thing starting here. What is the first thing we do after welcome? People. Get coffee. Yeah, right, yeah. The most important part is to get the coffee. What's the first thing we do? Before singing songs, call to worship. What, is, what happens in call to worship? What does somebody do? Somebody gets up there and they read God's Word. And we believe that God's Word are not just words on a piece of paper, but they are God's speaking to us. And so as we're gathered together and somebody goes up and they say, here's the call to worship, and they read a passage of Scripture, we believe that that is God speaking through His Word to us, His people, to summon us into worship. It's kind of God saying, come and bow down before me. And what do we do after the call to worship? 
Before we sing, we we pray. So we talk back to Him, right? Uh, Come, be among us. Receive your worship. You know, we're speaking to Him. Then what happens after that? We sing. Yeah, I'm not trying to trick you. I promise. I'm just wanting to slow you down. We sing. And in singing, we are declaring His praises with fullness of heart. You are amazing. You're wonderful. We're singing back to Him the wonders of what He's done in Christ. Uh, What do we do after a couple songs each week? Yeah, we greet each other. What's that? (laughs) The warm beverage part. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. We actually bring things to Him and give them, give Him things, and things that uh, are very, very precious to us. Right? Money. Um, The the greatest rival to to God in our hearts are money. So we actually bring our treasures and we give them over to Him. Right? You see, what I'm doing is I'm walking you through, showing you how it's a time of worship. And it's not just a one way. It's back and forth. After bringing of our offerings, what do we do after that? Pray. We pray again. A lot of praying going on, right? Corporate prayer, prayer of thanksgiving, as it should be. We're talking to Him. Then what happens after that? We do the Presbyterian version of passing the peace. Yes. We, we greet one another. That's right. And then after that, what happens? Yes. Ah. God's talking to us again. What happens after the reading of Scripture? Jess is like, you trying to trick me here. What happens? The sermon. That's right. So, again, God speaking to us. So God's Word is read, and then, by God's Spirit, God speaks through weak, flubbing imbeciles like Eric and I. He speaks through us to His people, making His words known to His people. And then, what do we do after that? At least once a month. Communion, right? We celebrate the sacraments. So that's a time where you get especially close to Jesus. And He feeds us, and we partake of Him, and we bring ourselves to Him, and you get really, really close to Him. Um, and then we sing some more after that. Just wanted to slow you down to show you what Sunday morning is all about is about worship. It is about entering into the presence together as His people, entering into His presence to worship Him, to declare His praises, which is what we've been created to do. I was just going to add, it, and also at the very end, you know. Oh, yes, I was forgetting one. Because it's an important part. After yeah. we've assembled as God's people, We've attended to God, we've praised Him, He's spoken to us, we've listened and praised Him back. Then, did, I mean, y'all heard enough. What's the very last thing that we say? We always, we change up the benediction, which is God sort of placing His Word on us to carry us out. What's the very last sentence that we say? Every We say this always, every week. Peace. Say it loud. <laughs> now go in peace to love and to serve. That's right. Here's That's awesome. That. Yes. Go in peace to love and to serve the risen Lord Jesus Christ. So you're 
that even that is that that's the the the, uh, the intersection between worship in its narrow sense and its broad. So we've in the narrow sense we've gathered as a people to do what we're made to do. We praise and we get formed as a people, and then we say in the name of Jesus. Now go out into the world. Go out and be moms and dads and students and builders and doctors and you know coaches and whatever and go out there to serve Jesus wherever you are. Yeah. And that's that's the worship in the broad sense and mm. from their worship in the narrow. It's a great tie in to those. And by the way, with benediction, um, just where that comes from. In the Old Testament, uh, Aaron the high priest, as Israel, God's people, had been rescued out of Egypt and God had entered into covenant with His people at Sinai and He, he sets them off as a worshiping people. Um, Aaron the high priest, he called him to do something at the end of their worship each time. And he gave him this pronouncement to pronounce over them. Uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. Um, but what's so interesting is what he actually said, um, what he says right after that, that Aaron was actually doing as he was pronouncing benediction over his people. He said, in doing so, you will put my name on my people. Which I think is just fascinating. That in that moment, whenever we're saying that, that God, um, through us, is placing His name upon you, His people. Uh, placing His favor upon you as you go out to worship Him in the world. Um, so, all that is happening on Sunday morning, all that is happening uh, outside of that as we gather to worship Him, that is what we're after. Whenever we come together to worship, we're doing what we've been made to do. And so as a church, we always want to say, this is what we're after. We want to be after being a people that are delighted in Jesus, that exist to declare His praises everywhere that we go. And we believe that is one of the fundamental things the church is called to be. And so we're always seeking to move up in worship with our hearts. Does that make sense? So... That's all I'll say specifically on this. But I think we've got a few minutes for questions that could pertain to anything that we've covered so far. Any questions that have come up? How we've tried to do this, one of the things that we really want to focus in on this time is helping you to understand what these vows are about. Um, so that uh, you know what you're doing whenever you take them. And, by the way, if through this time, you know, you think, I'm not sure I want to do that, or I'm not sure I understand this, I'm not sure I'm ready, that is perfectly okay. And we would love after this to just keep talking, keep in dialogue. I mean, I'm sure some of you are like, this makes perfect sense. I've, this is the way I've always done it. No qualms at all. But we know from times past that for some folks, some of this stuff's really new. What are you talking about discipline here? What are you talking about submitting to 
human leaders. Where does that come from? And um, we believe everything that we're practicing here, what we're trying to do is practice what we see God has laid out in Scripture. And um, so we're hoping in this time to help you to understand the vows that you're taking and what does it mean to make these promises. To say, I'm going to submit myself to these leaders uh, at this church. Uh, which, again, in our culture, I think it, at first glance, sounds kind of like an odious thing. Because in our culture, we don't, we don't like the concept of authority. You know, we, we believe in the autonomy of the individual. But really, um, for you to be autonomous over yourself is really a, a greater kind of tyranny in your life. Um, we believe that God gives us authorities in our life as a means of His grace. Like it's His gift to us that He puts people in our life that love us, that care for us, that watch over us. And um, the most common example you can think of is mom and dad. It's exactly what God is doing whenever He gives children moms and dads. But we believe that um, He never stops doing that in our life. He keeps bringing authorities into our life that care for us, that lead us, that watch over us. And learning to submit to those God puts in our life is actually a way of submitting to God. It's His, as Eric said, proxy authority in our life. Uh, Richard Foster in one place says in his book called The Freedom of uh, the uh, Celebration of Discipline, which is a weird title. He's talking about spiritual disciplines and he talks about the discipline of submission. And he says, in all the disciplines, he says, every time you are disciplined in something, there's a corresponding freedom that comes from it. You know, anybody who's been an athlete or something like that, you realize if you discipline yourself, you, there's some freedoms that come. You, you, you get trained to be able to do certain kinds of things. And so he says, it's not immediately clear when you, when you submit to another, when you submit to another authority, what freedom comes from that. And he says that the freedom that comes with submission is being released from the horrible burden of always having to have your own way. And if you're, if you're really honest with yourself, you, you probably realize, like, it's, you, it is tyrannical sometimes, the sense in us. And, and, we're, and sometimes we're like little spoiled kids. Well, we don't even know what we want. We just know we want whatever we don't happen to have. Right? It's like whatever we just got, we know for sure that we don't want that. And then someone gives us something else, we don't want that. And there's some, there's some kind of freedom to being able to lean into, hey, wait, I'm part of a community here, and I'm not the only one. I'm not the main one. We're in this thing together, and we're all kind of bowing together to the, the will of Jesus and to these people who are doing their best to figure out what that is. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're helping each other figure that out. And I, th- I think it's a really, it really can be freeing mm-hmm. um, if you think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, 